Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. The Bible or science, what do you trust? Are, are the two mutually exclusive? Do we believe what the Bible says about salvation and faith, but we leave it to the laboratory, the scientists, to Charles Darwin to tell us about where we came from. Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Folks, we've got a very special afternoon and evening of broadcasting. We've got a special guest, Dr. Dan Biddle of Genesis Apologetics, and we're going to talk about the book of Genesis, creation. And we're going to tell you about a very special theatrical release, a movie coming out on Noah's Ark that will be in 900 theaters across America in the month of March. Very important news, but also, now listen to this, some exciting stuff, and right after this live edition of Truth and Liberty, I'm going to ask you to stay tuned, because Andrew Womack and Richard Harris are going to continue on the network live from Dallas, Texas. Now, you probably know that January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and we celebrate life and the gift that it is to be a human being. God gave us life. But the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America event 2024 is coming to you just after this program. We've got a great show, but you want to stay tuned. And maybe even during one of the commercial breaks, give somebody a call. Now listen to this. Come to you from Trinity Dallas Church in Herschel Avenue, Dallas, Texas. Andrew Womack, the founder of the college here, the network, attorney Richard Harris. And for more information on this live stream, and it, it will be broadcast right here on the Truth and Liberty Network at 5.05 p.m. Mountain Time, 7.05 p.m. Eastern, just after we wrap up. This is a great pro-life event. You'll hear some incredible content. The website of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life Organization is S. B-A, ProLife, P-R-O-L-I-F-E dot org. Very exciting stuff. Uh, and I want to welcome you, and I want to say what an honor it is. I want to express my appreciation for the crew and all the technical people behind the scenes that make Truth and Liberty happen. Usually, I am 1,862 miles away. That's how far it is from Woodland Park, Colorado to Greensboro, North Carolina. We have, I call it Truth and Liberty East, but uh, as great as that is, it's always a little bit better to be in the studio because servers and things like that that are linked over, you know, nearly 2,000 miles of cable, they just work better when you're in the studio. And I'm glad to be here and glad for the crew helping us. Now, listen to this and I'll bring our guest up. I'm here at Karis to teach for the next couple of weeks. And I, I landed yesterday. I flew into Woodland Park, flew into Colorado Springs. I got my rental car and uh, turned the key and it just the motor labored to crank, and on the little thermometer on the dash, it was three degrees, three big degrees. I don't know what the temperature is where you are, but I know that across the Midwest, there's snow. In the Carolinas, there's uh, freezing rain and sleet, and uh, here in 
Colorado, it's awesome, but it's in the single digits, I guess. Uh, that's just some of that global warming, I suppose, isn't it? But uh, I want you to meet somebody that I've had the privilege of getting to know just recently, Dr. Dan Biddle. Dr. Dan Biddle is the president of Genesis Apologetics, and this is so significant because they're an organization like myself that I believe in what the Word of God says about our origins. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Dan Biddle has spoken to hundreds of thousands of people uh, courageously leading this ministry. They've got over 100 videos on their YouTube channel, and they've had over 176,000 subscribers. Get this, 20 million views, and their content defending the Word of God, defending, giving the truly, the truly scientific take on our origins through the lens of Scripture, over 20 million views. And he's got a movie coming out, The Ark and the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. In a few moments, not right now, but in a few moments, we'll show a trailer of this amazing movie, uh, the, the most cutting-edge research, the most cutting-edge cinematography, some CGI that'll just uh, amaze you. But the man behind all this and more, Dr. Dan Biddle, is our guest tonight. And you can ask questions. We'll open up the phones in a few moments if you've got a question about apologetics, Genesis, creation, evolution, uh, the Bible itself, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to welcome our guest, Dr. Dan Biddle. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Sounds like a real, we'll have a fun time together. Indeed, indeed. Well, I appreciate you, brother, because you're working and you're impacting millions of lives with truth. But also, you and I share a, an interest in apologetics. And uh, so, uh, let me just cue this up by asking, how did you get into Christian apologetics and specifically creation apologetics? You know, um, it's hard to answer that without putting the word divine calling uh, onto it. You know, the, the good Lord just had his way with me about 10 years ago. I was a jet set executive thinking I had my career locked up, <laughs> but then God had some other plans. I still have secular organizations that, that do great work, and I love being the, the leader of those organizations. But God put a clear call on my life about 10 years ago and really woke me up and showed me this direction. But, but brother, I think it all started one day when I went to back to school night for my son's seventh grade classroom, public school here in California. And they uh, gave, it was at their world history class, they gave us the rundown about, hey, we're going to be teaching your children for two weeks that they went from goo to the zoo to me and you. Huh. And this two weeks of evolution that they're going to be covering. And at that time, it was the same time the Lord was opening my eyes to just how true the Genesis account really was. And I got so sick sitting in that classroom, I had to walk home. Mm. I had to go up and tell my wife, I, I just, uh, the Lord's opening my eyes in ways that are very raw right now because I just pictured what my son was saying about all those kids sitting in that public school classroom, receiving and drinking in that live evolution and just knowing how it was going to impact their faith. It just made me physically ill. I had to walk home and I just began saying, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And mm -hmm. uh, it was out of that pain and out of that angst that I believe the Lord called me into this ministry and he's certainly put his hand on it. So, but that's kind of our, our origins beginning. Now, prior to Genesis Apologetics, you earned a PhD and were working in industrial organizational psychology. 
Uh, I've got a question, but first, what is that? What kind of work did you research and uh, begin your career in? Yeah, so it's the the behavioral sciences is, is a good way to frame it, but it's basically psychology and psychological principles that apply to organizations and the individuals within those, those organizations. So I use that degree to develop uh, tests and assessments for uh, various different vertical industries. And I was a testifying expert. I, I testified as an expert consultant or witness on over 100 state and federal court cases dealing with testing and statistics and things mm -hmm. of that nature and, and began to develop a really good appreciation for what solid cases of evidence look like. And of course, for those 20 years, all I had to do was go in court and distill thick theoretical arguments and statistical arguments into a way that a judge and jury could understand them. And it was through that arena of training that the Lord called me out of that and had me apply those same skills towards the field of apologetics. So we like to say we try to explain things in very short, compelling, understandable ways um, mm -hmm. because that's just how we, we want to reach today's youth. So uh, I'm guessing in college and grad school, you were, you were good in math probably, right? Yes, very, very much enjoyed math and the natural sciences. So yeah, that was one of one of my things. Of course, like everybody else, I had areas I wasn't so good in, but I, I always loved the analytical part of my of my job and training. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you know, math uh, was a struggle for me. I was not good in math, but I had a real respect for it. Even before I was a Christian, Doctor Biddle, uh, I was kind of in awe of math. Um, and after I got saved and I grew in the Lord and got into apologetics and then went to Liberty to uh, do post-grad work, I came to believe, and this is an area of apologetics I think that needs to be explored. Is, is it fair to say in a universe without God, because I, I dialogue with a lot of professed atheists, um, there, there are many, many arguments why it's reasonable to believe in God. And by that, I mean the biblical God. But I really think, Dr. Biddle, in a world without God, we wouldn't have mathematics like we do. I mean, math is absolute. Math is objective. Math is definitely non-physical. And I think you are uniquely qualified for me to put this question before. Do, is, in some way, doesn't math... Um, point to uh, a, a creator or a, an omniscient, all-wise God behind this very well-ordered universe? I would say absolutely, and there's a variety of ways that you could tackle that question, but I would just start with a very unique way of looking at that. Consider something called the Fibonacci spiral. And it's a spiral that has certain ratios to it that are all mathematically derived. And that footprint, that signature is all through creation. It's in pine cones, it's in pineapples, it's in the universe. That mathematical design is the part of the DNA that God used at a very root level for creation. And it's amazing. Just go to YouTube, type in Fibonacci spiral, you'll see exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. Some intelligent designer made that the way it is. And he didn't make it the way it's not. And it's incredible. And of course, the other thing with math is just consider the impossibility of something like DNA emerging all by itself or proteins by itself. Yeah. You know, they've been trying for 50 years to come up with the first protein to try to prove evolution with the Miller-Urey experiments, and they keep failing. So yeah. yes, math is a strong supporter for creation.
Did you ever, um, does this name ring a bell, Dr. Mario Livio? Um, he's two book. he's a physicist, I think he's in California. One, he wrote a book called, Is God a Mathematician? And the other, The Golden Ratio, which is about pi, not apple or blueberry, uh, but 3.14. <laughs> but, but these two books, and they're, they're a little bit beyond my pay grade, although I've done my best to read on them, but he makes the argument like with the Fibonacci sequences and the design, the orbits of the planets, the foliage on plants are all multiples of pi. And he makes this argument he, he doesn't get to Jesus, but he, uh, at least in his books, but he makes this argument that everything is so well-structured, well-ordered, that it is not random, it is not happenstance. There must be a purposeful, all-intelligent mind that created the universe. You know, and it even gets a little bit scary because when you look at the big universe, all of that is evidence out there and you can't change the orbiting of the planets or their gravitational pull or forces or light or darkness or oxygen. You can't change anything out there with the planets. But the scary part is when you put it all under a microscope because just as complex as it is all out there, it gets even more complex when you start looking at a little single cell that's more complex than New York City. Mm-hmm. With all of these little perpetual machines that are built on the inside that work together in complete unison and they're irreducibly complex. So when the Bible says that Christ himself holds all things together and all things exist by him and through him, that's very literally true from a universe perspective all the way down to the tiniest microscopic thing that we can see with the with microscopes today. So yes. Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Dan Biddle of Genesis Apologetics, and he's got a brand new film that he is the executive producer, The Ark and the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. The website for the movie, Noah's Flood, spelled just like it sounds, noahsflood.com. Let me ask you this. When does the film hit theaters? The film is going to come out for two days. They may have an encore, but it's scheduled at least for two days, March 20th and 21st. And it'll be in 900 theaters across the United States. And you're doing that with Fathom. We've um, been a part of produ- promoting some other Fathom releases. That's first, first class. And folks, let me encourage you. I've seen the trailer, and we're going to show the trailer in this segment But this is a great event for your church to get behind. If you work with young people or have some sort of ministry to students, you want to get people to this film, The Ark and the Darkness. Um, What do you mean by that, brother, in the title, The Ark? We know what Noah's Ark is. What is the darkness in the title? Yeah, so um, we wanted a title that was going to be compelling and intriguing to draw in today's youth. And we didn't want to come up something with boring like Noah's flood, the real story or something like that. So and if you look at the theme of what happened in Genesis six to nine, it was a time of both judgment and mercy. And it was a time that you can authentically say it was a dark hour in, in our history in the in the history of the whole planet. God's judgment was coming upon the earth and it was a dark gloomy scenario. The judgment mm-hmm. lasts for a year. Earth was covered. And, 
and it, of course, it highlights the second judgment that's going to be coming uh, as well. But uh, so that's what we we came. We wanted to come out with the our, our director came up with the title, uh, Ralph Stram with Sevenfold Films, and he wanted it to be The Ark in the Darkness. And I had a little bit of pushback, but we sent it out to some of our target viewers, the youth, and they loved the title. Uh, yeah. And then we have the subtitle, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. So that's how we came up with it. Well, before we show the trailer and folks get ready to see something amazing, let me ask you this, though. Why is this important? Why is the historicity of Noah and the flood and the ark? Um, I I believe it's real. The Bible says it. I believe it happened. Uh, I know many people, even some professed Christians would say, well, it was a myth or something. I don't think it was a myth. I think it was real. But uh, Dr. Biddle, why is this important? I would say simply uh, this. Um, When I went to seminary, they said, look, the Hebrew and the original languages is pointing towards the young earth. When you look at the six days of creation and the Genesis genealogies, Earth has got to be young with respect to the Hebrew writers who inscribed the scripture. But then at the same voice, the the seminary professor said, well, but if you believe in science, Earth has to be millions of years old. So they left the students going that tension. And I lived in that tension until I had one moment when I found myself at the Dinosaur Provincial Park looking out over a stretch of 14 miles of dead dinosaurs buried under 50 feet of mud. And they're buried with birds and clams and fish and shark and mammals for 14 miles and I will never in my life be able to unsee that moment because it was impossible for me to look at that as a scientist and a researcher and deny the flood I looked at it and I thought oh my gosh Genesis 6 to 9 is real actual history and I will never live that moment down and so that's why it's important, and that's why we're hoping for people to watch this movie, because when you realize that and you get a visceral understanding that God's Word is true in a literal, natural sense, it'll change the decisions you make. It'll change how you raise your kid. It'll, it'll change your marriage. It'll change your life planning, your will, your estate, the whole thing. For me, it was like being born again, again, when Amen. my mind <laughs> had a spinal adjustment and came in a connection with my heart, because I knew the Lord was real and true. I was born again and loved this word, but my mind had all of these cognitive dissonances that, that I wasn't sure about. But when I saw that plateau area of 14 miles of dead dinosaurs buried with fish and clams, that clinched the case for me. I'm like, Lord, your word is true and the world's working really hard to deny it. Amen. Amen. Folks, if you embrace the trustworthiness of God's word, like Dr. Biddle says, it will revolutionize your life. It will change your eternity to take God at his word. Well, I want to run this trailer and then let's talk about it, folks. Get ready for something that I think is very, very significant, worthy of your support and attention. The ark in the darkness, unearthing the mysteries of Noah's flood. Let's watch this trailer. across the United States. A film 
that will take you from the creation of the earth and the heavens. To Adam and Eve and their disobedience against God and the fall of mankind. It will take you through the worldwide flood of Noah's time and will explain what really happened to the dinosaurs. It will show incredible evidence that proves the biblical account of history is true. It will explain what happened at the Tower of Babel and how mankind arrived where they are today. It will explore the coming Antichrist system and what's next on the prophetic timeline. And most importantly, you will learn how to be saved in Christ and avoid the next judgment of the earth. The film is the ark and the darkness. Please make a tax-deductible donation at the site below. Wow. Well, that is powerful. Noahsflood.com. So I've got to ask you, Dr. Biddle, um, the, the waves, the water coming up on that island, w w was that CGI? Yes, really, really good CGI. No one does that better than Ralph Strand with Sevenfold Films. He just does an incredible job with, with that work. And of course, it's it's breathtaking because when you watch how that film continues, the water splashes up and then it pans back down and the wolf that was seeking high ground is gone and swept off the top of the rock. So yeah. it's a heart grabber. He really, when he told me he was going to open with that scene, I thought, my gosh, it's going to be a, a good way to do it. Right. So, and here's the other question uh, I'm going to ask, was that the voice of James Earl Jones? Uh, <laughs> you know, I can't remember his name, uh, but I don't think it was James Earl Jones, but maybe it does sound like a lookalike there. So, but I great. think that's the same narrator that's going to do her whole movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Great VO, great voiceover. So, Thanks. Um, your ministry, uh, tell us about Genesis Apologetics and how you, uh, you know, uh, got into filmmaking as well, because that's a very ambitious arm of ministry. You know, it's amazing today uh, with YouTube because anyone who's got a, a, a voice and wants to share things and can have some skills and video development and everything can come on and, and have a platform. Uh, that's how we started. I, um, I got a really clear mission, I felt, kind of a just a download, a very personal conviction from the Lord, I believe, about five years ago to do a short video on Noah's flood. And so I went around America interviewing the top geophysicists and catastrophic plate tectonics experts about Noah's flood and uh, came up with about a 22-minute video that uh, on Noah's flood that now has over, I think, 2.8 million views, something like that. And that's how we really got our, our big-time start uh, on mm -hmm. YouTube, but, but we've also had several movies that have come out since then. But I just have a real passion, particularly for today's youth, because in, in, in California, for example, it's teenagers who graduate public school, um, by the time they graduate, 
high school will have ex been exposed to 250 pages of evolution teaching and 50 required classroom hours of instruction on evolution. And what that's doing to our youth today is not, not some of the Christians, but most Christian students are graduating high school who go to public school. Most of them are graduating as theistic evolutionists. They're not holding to the Genesis account. They're believing that God used some slow, random, murderous process to bring about the human race on earth, and nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is that death is not our creator. Natural selection is not our creator. God created everything perfect, and then we messed it up, and sin came through, you know, death came through sin. So the creation account has got it flipped on its head compared to what the secular schools are going to be teaching students today. So I just have a heart for wanting to get after them because the, the, the world's going after them, and, yeah. uh, and I want to reach them with the truth. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, really, it's almost like uh, if if you're at a fork in the road, you know, the 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 intersection might be fairly small, but depending on the direction you go, uh, it's vastly going to change the destination where you end up. And look, at the beginning, either there's a God or there isn't. Either we were created or we just undirected, purposely evolved, either life has a purpose or it's utterly meaningless. And so this starting point, what a person believes about creation, God or no God, that really informs everything about our ultimate destiny, doesn't it? It does. I, I think one of the saddest moments I've ever had in my life, in fact, one that brought my older daughter, Michaela, to tears. We were at the Royal Terrell Museum, the biggest dinosaur museum in the world, and we were up there, and we were looking at one of their exhibits that was a, a goo to zoo to the U exhibits. It had pond scum down there at the bottom, that it had the variety of animal lives eventually leading to a rat-like creature that led to mammals and quadrupeds and then bipedals and humans were way up at, at the top. And there was a, a kid there, a young man, probably nine, ten years old, yet young boy, and he was studying this exhibit, and he was just enthralled by it, and his mom was right there by his side. And he looked up to his mom with this sheepish question. He says, Mom, is that true? Are we really evolved fish? And there was a pregnant pause there for about three or four seconds as that mom was just thinking, what am I going to tell this my son? And she mm -hmm. says, Yes, I guess it is. Mm. And I couldn't help but just to well up in tears. And same with yeah. my daughter, because from that moment, that kid was permanently scarred and wounded in his mind that he's not made in the image of God, that God the Father's not his father, and that he doesn't have a purposeful intention and plan for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that times a billion is what's going on on the earth today. So truth and love uh, starts with the first page of God's word. And these millennials today, the Gen Z folks, they want to know, look, if truth doesn't start on the first page of the Bible, how many more pages do I have to flip before I'm going to run into truth? Exactly. Yeah, so it has to start on the first page. But yeah, that was a breathtaking experience I, I had. We've got so much to talk about, folks, and you can ask a question. If you've got a question or a comment, look, maybe you do believe in evolution. And, and us, uh, us guys sitting here that we believe in God and the book of Genesis and a creator and the flood of Noah, maybe you think we're crazy. 
Uh, we would love very respectfully to hear your side of things, folks. So the number for questions, we've got a brief break. We're going to come back with Dr. Dan Biddle, but the number is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. Also, if you, if you need prayer, you've got spiritual questions, you want to talk to somebody, look, no strings attached. We just want to help and encourage you. The number for prayer and spiritual counsel is 719-635-1111. Dr. Dan Biddle is the executive producer of The Ark and the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. He's also the leader of Genesis Apologetics, a colleague, uh, a brand new friend, and our guest tonight on Truth and Liberty. Stay tuned, we're back after this. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth Liberty and become a member today. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 19 says, the heavens bear witness to the glory and the power of God. Well, welcome back to the program. Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're watching Truth and Liberty. The number, we would love to hear from you, love to converse with you tonight if you've got a Bible question, or you just want some clarification on what we're talking about. Why creation matters and why uh, if you become a believer and you read the Word of God, you don't have to switch off your brain. Science exists, science is real, but science is not unbiased. Uh, science is just not about brute examination of facts. Uh, and part of the reason the world has embraced evolution to the degree that it has, it's not about evidence against God, but it's about bias and even blindness. Now we'll talk about that. The number, if you want to call in, is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. Before we return to our guest, Dr. Dan Biddle, I want to tell you about truthandliberty.net. Uh, I was almost a little bit late even getting to the studio because I'm wrapping up another article to send Richard Harris to get posted on the website. On the website, truthandliberty.net, there's so much good content about not only biblical worldview, but our culture, 
government, politics, economics, voting, the election. We're in an election year right now. So I want to ask you to do a couple of things. Number one, tell people about Truth and Liberty. Let people know about the broadcast, the, the web, their events, and their things coming up this year that will be here at Karis Bible College. But also consider supporting. Uh, you can become a partner with Truth and Liberty if you give at least $5 a month. Uh, we'd love for you to give more than that because, look, while the gospel is free, the biblical message is free, it does take resources to deliver that message. So if you go to truthandliberty.net slash donate, truthandliberty.net slash donate, and join in at least $5 a month. And together, God is using what we're doing to make a difference, really. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a collaborative effort. It's you and I together, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of the gospel. So let's do this thing, and let's impact our world. Well, somebody that God is using to do that in a great way is Dr. Dan Biddle. And Dr. Biddle, before the break, you were telling the story about being in that museum. I want to share... Uh, a similar um, eye-opening experience. But first, I want you to give your website, um, your website, your social media platforms. Where can people learn more about Genesis Apologetics? Yes, great. So you can go to our website, which is just genesisapologetics.com, or you can go to our movie page, which is noahsflood.com. So without the apostrophe S, just noahsflood.com. But our main site is just Genesis Apologetics, and you can download. Most of our products are actually free and downloadable from that website. So, so let me get your feedback on this. When I was in graduate school and I was working on uh, my thesis, I was doing a lot of research, and I came across uh, someone's dissertation, and this was from Emory University, and it was somebody doing a PhD in psychology. And the title intrigued me, because it sounded almost like a novel, a fiction work, but it was called The Inner Monkey. The Inner Monkey. Now, at this point, I was a youth pastor, but I was doing two master's degrees simultaneously. So I, I get this guy's dissertation, I'm thinking, what? The inner monkey, what could this be? Uh, well, I'm around teenagers, and we were doing some work in the inner city, and there's a lot of gangs and things like that. So get this, and my point is only from an evolutionary perspective, an evolutionary paradigm would people think this way. This guy uh, had written his, his dissertation, and he was saying that, look, you know, kids get into uh, vandalism and gangs and you know, graffiti on buildings. But you got to understand, uh, that's not that kids are bad or it's not sin. It's the inner monkey because we are descended from primates, this guy says. You know, there's still a little bit of monkey and primate in us, just like monkeys do things that are, you know, uh, rambunctious. And there, this is the thing that almost made me get emotional. He said, while I'm writing my dissertation, he said, my wife and I have a newborn and I can see the inner monkey in my little toddler mm -hmm. sitting in his high chair. We put his juice, juice glass and he knocks it over and I, I put it back and I say, don't do that. And like a, like a monkey in a zoo, he pushes it off on the floor because inside my little boy is an inner monkey. But here's the, the thing, and I want your response. So this guy in his dissertation from Emory University, he said, um, 
my child throws food on the floor and our little pet dog eats the crumbs. And I realize really in a very strict sense, there's no difference between my little baby boy and the dog on the floor. And I remember wow. reading that and I thought, and I love animals, I love dogs, I love God's creation, but human beings are made in the image of God. Human beings have an everlasting spirit. Jesus went to Calvary's cross to redeem fallen human beings. And I thought an evolutionary worldview would lead a parent to think his child is no better than a dog. I mean, that's why from a philosophical and moral standpoint, I think evolution is just repugnant. You know, you're absolutely right, because if evolution's true, there's actually no valid reason to save your best friend over your dog if they're in your swimming pool and they're both drowning. You have no, no valid reason to go after and save your best friend over your family dog. So, but humans are, of course, made in the image of God. There's a great irony that's going on in today's public schools, which is really, really sad, as they spend, uh, as, as I mentioned, in California, 50 classroom hours rigorously indoctrinating kids nowadays that they are evolved hominids, that they are ape-like creatures, evolved from ape-like creatures. So if that's true, they should be able to do whatever we want. We want. There's moral law. We're just evolved chemi you know, chemicals that have come together. But then at the same time, if you do something bad or you hit a classmate or lie to a teacher, they wrangle you over to the principal's office. Well, by which grounds should they do that? How yeah. can they do that if it's really true that we're evolved hominids or evolved ape-like creatures that came from, you know, from pond scum over millions of years or rain falling on rocks for billions of years that eventually turned into to, to humans over, over their time span. So there's really no grounds to invo invoke any form of morality or laws or school regulations if that's really true. So there's a great contrast. They teach them that they evolve, but they ha hold them with accountability like we're supposed to be moral agents. So you really can't have it both ways. Yeah, you, you can't. And, and that, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I think about like right now with the homelessness in so many uh, American cities and vandalism. And folks, I don't know if you know this, but I mean, let me just name some names like uh, Seattle and Portland and Sacramento and Minneapolis and Detroit and in inner city New York and Chicago, in, in so many of these cities, there's uh, just crime. And I don't know if you remember this, about a year ago in the news, some cities wanted to uh, basically declassify shoplifting because shoplifting, the ability to just walk in a store and take what you want off the shelves. There were some woke, uh, diverse advocates saying that shoplifting should be a human right. And Dr. Biddle, my, my point being, um, I think maybe 150 years ago when Darwinian theory began to infect, I'm not, gonna, I'm not only going to say influence, but infect academia and even seminaries and religious schools, I don't think they saw all the dominoes that would fall. And I've got a twofold question I want to ask you. We've got some questions coming in online. Um, is it fair to say when Darwinian theory uh, began to really encircle the Western world and the globe in the 19th century, those people back then 
that they didn't realize how influential and how many dominoes would fall if we took Darwinism literally. Is that a fair statement? It's very fair historically. In fact, a friend of mine who has several PhDs named Dr. Jerry Bergman has written a, a treatise that makes an incredible connection between Darwinism and the Nazi regime. In other words, those philosophies, the ideologies that came out of the Nazi regime was fundamentally based on evolution theory and fundamentally based on Darwin's version of it. And even in the 1800s, we had anthropologists coming out from the British Museum and, quote, harvesting aborigines in Australia and boiling their bones down and shipping them back to the museum for putting, being put on display. Mm. You can't yeah. do that without a Darwinian mindset, without thinking that there's some evolutionary set between the different races and between the groups and everything to say, oh, yeah, let's just go take a couple of those savage-like people and, and we'll, 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 we'll go hunt them and then boil their bones down and then put them up on display in the British Museum. But that type of thinking went on uh, for centuries, and it's ultimately fueled by Darwin's ideas. Exactly, exactly. And, and here's the thing. I would say, and, and I mean, I've had evolutionists agree with me, Darwinism is very dehumanizing because, you know, mm. the Western world for 2,000 years and certainly, you know, Christianity in, in England for the last 1,000 years and specifically in America for the last 250 years, we believed that human life was different than animal life or plant life. Human life was sacred. Uh, animal life was to be stewarded and cared for, but humans were made in the image of God. That's why whenever you, you, even to this day in journalism, folks, if there's like a plane crash or a ship sinks, or like last summer when the, uh, the Ocean Gate submarine went down, they'll say uh, four souls were lost or 150 yeah. souls perished because we know human beings have a supernatural element. We're made in God's image. Um, so when nowadays you've removed accountability, like you say, there's violence in the schools. There's no point of order and accountability before the law. So Darwinism and evolution is very dehumanizing. But I want to drill down a little bit. And uh, let me just say this, folks. Um, we're living in a time of social justice and racism is wrong. That's right. There's one race, the human race. And yet really, and Dr. Biddle, I don't think anybody talks about this as much as they should. If you take Darwinian theory literally, invariably uh, racism will crop up. Do you remember back about 1994, there was a Dr. Hernstein that wrote a book called The Bell Curve. It was a very yeah. evolutionary book but incredibly racist book that mm. basically placed some ethnicities as uh, lower evolutionary developments than, I'm just, you're white, Caucasian Europeans. Evolution is, is racist if you take it to its logical end. You know, Darwin's book, not many people know, know this, but the subtitle of his book, it was the, the main title's Origin of the Species, but the subtitle's a selection of the, of, of the favored races. 
And so it was some of it was tongue in cheek, some of it was indirect, but you're absolutely right. And, and in fact, I take no shame in saying this because it's just true California history. My wife's grandfather, he would probably be 90, 95 years old right now. He remembers as a kid, his grandfather in Loomis, which is a town not too far from where I'm at right now, he recalls his grandfather saying they would go up to the hills and hunt the Indians like jackrabbits. That's firsthand my family history. And if that's not sad, I, I don't know what, what, what is. It's just, uh, you're right, uh, you know, evolution has got terrible, ter terrible roots in history to it, and it led to all kinds of shameful things that have been done in history. Well, like you say, like, you know, Germany and the Third Reich, Hitler's final solution, quote unquote, to purge the world of Jewish people, and then Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood folks, Oh my goodness, Same this thing. is something the pro-abortion uh, people don't talk about, but the, uh, the matriarch of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, horribly, horribly racist person. Uh, I, I, I will not repeat some of the things that she said about African-Americans, but, but they, like Hitler, like Karl Marx, like Margaret Sanger, they were informed uh, they just accepted that Darwin was was right, evolution was true, and therefore their superiority complex and their racism in their mind was legitimi legitimized by evolution, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, what happens with the biblical worldview that I've been transformed by is if you look at the recent history of humans, we're all made in the image of God, then yeah. at the Tower of Babel event in Genesis chapters 10 and 11, you have about 70 different language groups that spread and went all over the globe. And by God's design, as Acts 17 talks about, God has appointed these different nations to live where they lived in the times that they lived there. And when that happened, natural variability that was pre-programmed into our gene code took place. We're not supposed to look the same or be the same, and the cultures are different, and we look differently and everything, but that's by God's design. And it was intentionally put in our genes so that we would vary based upon where we lived and where we moved to. And I think diversity and, and, and things like that are a beautiful thing that God put in, and it's intentional because you look at all these, you know, some would say there's 18 different people groups essentially around the world, and we're all interfertile. We can all have kids, and it's a beautiful thing. Amen. So, uh, but of course, if you take Darwin's view, it's a whole different story. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you remember the Rubik's Cube, you know, that everybody uh, went bananas over in the 80s. Um, and I, I forget how many sides, let's see, six, like, there are, I think, like, 63, 63 sides. But they s said that that yielded, I forget how many millions of possibilities. And folks, think about genetics. I mean, there are 126 breeds of dog, and yet uh, they came from, you know, this canine phyla, this, you know, the book of Genesis says everything reproduces after its kind. Well, there was enough genetic potentiality in uh, a male and female canine to get everything from huge mastiffs to the teacup chihuahua. And, and Dr. Biddle, isn't it fair to say that with Adam and Eve, uh, a male and a female, uh, Adam and Eve, there was enough genetic 
potentiality to get all of the beautiful permutations of what it means to be a human being from, you know, um, light pigment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we, we have, you know, pushing 8 billion some people on, on earth today and no yeah. two of us look alike. Yeah, hardly, exactly. except for twins. It's amazing. And, you know, it's just like a, a gardener. You don't want to go out to your rose garden and see a whole bunch of yellow roses that are exactly three and a half feet tall. You want variety and beauty. And that's exactly what God's doing with creating humans in his image is, is variety and intentionality is his plan and his purpose. And the enemy has thwarted that with racism and, and all the things that go with it. But, but diversity is, is God's idea, and mm -hmm. it's how we live to survive in all the different regions that, that, that we do. So I, th I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It is a beautiful thing. We're going to go to a phone call, and we've got questions coming in online. By the way, if you want to email a question in, you can through truthandliberty.net. You want to call in at 719-619-2341. Frank in Missouri. Frank, thanks for holding. You're our first caller tonight on Truth and Liberty with our guest, Dr. Dan Biddle. Welcome, Frank. It's a privilege again, Alec. To hear you and, and the doctors. So well, my, my question is, is in Genesis there a simple question. And really, yeah, the simple question is, do you think I'm trying to I'm trying to get the verse it's in Genesis seven where God he gave them a week and, and then at six hundred years old. Yeah. The question he gave them a week to to get shut in there when the when the water broke up and and uh, the rain came. Uh, the question: Do you think that God speaks to uh, people with the same kind of urgency uh, that He did to Noah? Well, hey, let me read a little bit of this in Genesis yeah. seven uh, one. The Lord said to Noah, "Come." And all your house come to the ark. Verse 4, Genesis 7, 4. For in seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance I will destroy from the face of the earth all the living things that I have made. And you go down there in verse 10, it says, It came to pass after seven days that it happened. And uh, verse 6 says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters was upon the earth. Um, Dr. Biddle, uh, give us your take of Genesis 7. I, I think it happened like that. I think God is warning us today that one day history as we know it will conclude and come to an end and there'll be judgment. What, what, what do you think? Does God still speak to us in this way? You know, the extent to which God speaks to us is a very, very thick theological question, but I will answer it in two ways. Number one, I say that the I would say that the primary way God speaks to His children is through His Word. So, if you want to hear God speak, get in His Word and make His Word just permeate your mind and your heart. Um, but I also do believe that God does speak today to people through His Holy Spirit. 
the Bible says that uh, it is God who lives in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So if God is going to will in you and act according to his good pleasure, I think you're going to be brought into that process in some type of a voluntary way. And Ephesians 2 says that we are prepared to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So if God has got good works prepared in advance for us to do, oftentimes if we're listening and we have our antenna up, he's going to give us signals and directions to go here and do this or say that. He does prompt us, absolutely. And uh, so I will put no restriction on how God's going to do it, but I would say that the primary way we should be hearing from God is by soaking ourselves in his word. Amen. Amen. Frank, that's a good question. And folks, the, the bottom line, you can trust God's word, just like Dr. Biddle said. If you want to hear from God, get into his word. And God will never contradict Scripture. If it's truly of God, if what you're hearing and feeling led uh, in your soul, if it's truly of God, it will correspond with and harmonize with the Word of God. Um, we've got a question here online, Dr. Biddle. How do all races come from Noah? How would you answer well, that? Well, that's, yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, we're 100% sure that that's the case. We know that the human genome was bottlenecked down to eight people, Noah, his wife, wow. and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their three wives. So all of humanity was bottlenecked down to eight people. And one way that you can tell that both biblically and scientifically is by looking at the exponentially decreasing, decreasing lifespans. The average lifespan of the, of the patriarchs before the Bible was about 912 years old. You know, Noah lived over 900 years, and Methuselah lived 969 years, but there is something that happened after the flood that their lifespans begin exponentially decreasing, and that's because of the increased mutational load that happened in our gene pool. Mm -hmm. But if you take that, that bottleneck, then we grew to more people right before the Tower of Babel, and at the Tower of Babel, God commanded those those people into 70 language groups and commanded them to scatter around the world. And when they did, humans in our gene pool began interacting with our environment to produce the, the, the phylogeny, the, the, the way that we look and the way that what we eat, how we react to sunlight, uh, how we live, a lot, of, a lot of our cultural differences come between what we would call as race, race groups or ethnic groups, but what, what God would call or the Bible would call just different people groups or different nations. But it is very much by God's design. The idea of races is not true. The human genome is incredibly uh, uh, sound and similar. In fact, there's statistically speaking, there's more variability within groups than there are between what we would call race groups. So mm -hmm. there's only one race, as you said, Alec, the, 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 the human race. So I, I would say that God pre-programmed the, the diversity that we see in different people groups, but races is a figment of human imagination. There are no different races. Uh, there's what we would call races, but, but uh, biblically there's not. There's just different people groups. And within Noah and his wife, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and they had wives. So within those eight souls, are you saying there's enough genetic potentiality for the 8 billion plus people walking the planet today? 
Absolutely. And we know that because we see how people vary. You go all the way from the Samoans to the Pygmies. There's tremendous variability mm -hmm. and it's all by God's design and his plan. So just uh, mm -hmm. just incredible how he, he programmed it to be that way. Yes. Um, my wife is a nurse and she gets a couple of different nursing magazines. And every now and then there'll be articles about birth defects and you know, whether it be, you know, heart defects or uh, issues with, uh, you know, limbs or skin or whatever. And it seems like birth defects are increasing. And, you know, thank the Lord, birth defects are still somewhat rare. But is it fair to say that over the generations of 6,000 years of human history, that the, the mutations and the uh, mistakes in the copying of the genetic code. Is that where we get birth defects from? You know, uh, Dr. John Sanford has a book out on genetic entropy, and he's not only is that a theory, it's been validated scientifically. So the mm. mutational load is exponentially increasing in the human gene pool. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's why we have an increase in things like cancers and some other things. Mm. It's not entirely to, to, to blame to that, but this is absolutely true. Uh, you know, back entropy. in the garden before sin, there was no mutations. There were no birth defects. Everything was perfect. Uh, but then when we, we, we bottlenecked the human genome down to just eight people, that mutational load began increasing. And sometimes it's decreased to people who are very different, marry and have kids, as opposed to people who are very similar, or of course, brothers and sisters uh, mm -hmm. having kids that would tend to increase the, the birth defects. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's there and it's a, it's a very present phenomenon. We've got a break. We've got a lot of questions. We're speaking with Dr. Dan Biddle of Genesis Apologetics. He's the executive producer of a film. And folks, I want you to get behind this film. I'm asking you to support this. It is world-class, the arc and the darkness. Uh, give us the, the website for the film, Dr. Biddle, please. Uh, yes, just go to noahsflood.com, uh, no apostrophe S, just noahsflood.com, and you can see there about the movie. There's a place to donate if you like and help us bring it to as many theaters as we can. Yes. Um, will it be shown at any universities, do you know? It will be. There's going to be a time after the theatrical release that we're going to go out to churches and institutions and give them private licenses for reshowing the movie. Mm. So, yes, it will go out to universities, colleges, and churches after that. Yeah. That's great. Hey, folks, a great night on Truth and Liberty. Stay tuned. More with Dr. Dan Biddle plus Andrew and Richard from Texas. Stay tuned. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through ARMY. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an ARMY member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Welcome back to the program. Alex McFarland here. Hey, by the way, so much good stuff going on. Let me give you a couple of announcements. You don't want to miss, after this segment, Dr. Dan Biddle and I are going to continue to talk and take questions. But the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America event is today, January 15th. Now, Andrew Womack and Richard Harris are in Dallas, Texas right now, even as we speak. Uh, and they're going to be here. They're going to be live uh, because, you know, January is Sanctity of Human Life Month. And so stay tuned because at 5.05 p.m. Mountain, 7.05 Eastern and so forth, uh, 6.05 Central, they will be streaming live. And Andrew is going to speak and that's going to be coming to you live from Trinity Dallas Church in Texas right after this segment. And then also uh, over on my side of the country in uh, Virginia on the eastern seaboard, listen to this. January 27, you can see and hear in person Andrew Womack and Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now this is the Stand Foundation and The Called Church. This is an event at the uh, conference center in Chesapeake, Virginia. Now folks, uh, brace yourself. Buckle up. If you've never heard Dr. E.W. Jackson speak, he's a Harvard graduate, an attorney, a pastor, a cultural commentator. He is a powerhouse. I've had him in probably six or eight of my conferences. And generally when uh, E.W. Jackson speaks, he has to pause for the standing ovations that take place. He is just that powerful. And so is Andrew Womack. They're, they're going to be January 27, the speakers. Now the website, it's free, but you, you do need to register. The website is thecalled.org, T-H-E, thecalled.org or standamerica.us, standamerica.us. And I don't know what you're doing January 27th, but it would be worth your while to head over there to Chesapeake, Virginia, beautiful part of our country, very historic part of the country, and the stand rally that night. And let me also again encourage you to subscribe to Truth and Liberty. Richard Harris is always writing articles. I'm submitting articles. So much great content on the Truth and Liberty website. Go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. Whenever we've got some new content or very special guests, and we've got incredible programming coming up at the end of this month. Uh, I, on Tuesday, January 30th, I'll have Lauren Green of Fox News on. She's a, a world-renowned religion correspondent. Um, in February, Dr. Gary Habermas, who is the world expert on the resurrection of Christ. Richard is going to have on Eric Metaxas pretty soon. He wrote that famous book, Letter to the American Church. Folks, this is amazing stuff. And we're so excited that God has given us these cameras, these lights, this incredible crew, incredible guests like Dr. Dan Biddle. And so pray, promote, and as God leads, support. 
truthandliberty.net slash donate. The gospel is free. But look, we are in a fight for the soul of our nation. We absolutely are. This is more than just worldview or quibbling over the facts of history. In a very, very real sense, folks, um, the, the, the souls of people hang in the balance because there, there are things that are true. There are things that are false. There are things that are mere mistakes. And then there are things that are outright lies. I believe Darwinian evolution is a lie. Dr. Biddle, I'm, I'm going to show my cards here. I know there's a lot of history and there's a really trajectory of scientific philosophy, but I think Satan is real. I think that Satan, um, Satan could not kill God, so he's tried to harm the ones made in God's image. And, and I really think, in, in a very real sense, you feel free to disagree, I think evolution and the secularism that goes with it and really the atheism, yeah, I, I think evolution has caused more souls to be lost for eternity than just about any other philosophy or ideology that, that I could imagine. W would you agree? I would say that that perspective has actually been substantiated by Dr. Jerry Bergman's book, where he oh. connects Darwinism to Nazi thought and everything. He goes through all the different world wars and talks about it. A lot of this is fought over genocide and thoughts of racial superiority and all that stuff. If we, if people could go back for the last 500 years and, and, and people had a, a biblical worldview, based upon the truth of where we came from and the Babel dispersion, and we all go back to Noah, and before that we go back to Adam, if we could adopt those values and that worldview, there wouldn't be the atrocity of 60 million people dying in World War II and you know millions of people before that in World War I and back and back and back. So yeah, ideas have consequences and ideas eventually manifest in actions. And that's yeah. what we've seen. And at, at all of these big international conflicts, most of them have an underpinning of some form of Darwinian philosophy to them. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying, um, which is why I love getting after the sixth graders when they're starting to ask these questions about, Dr. Bitter, where do the race groups come from? And are there differences between men and women? And let's talk about all that stuff. And you're able to insert in their brain at that very moment a biblical worldview. What you're doing is you can inoculate that mind from ever having developed ideas of racism. And it's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. But I think you're right that the, the impact of racism or, or of Darwinism goes into racism and several other things that people have just become accustomed with and really blind to. Mm. Uh, the, the movie is coming out in March, folks. You've got time. And let me just challenge you. Um, good intentions are, are good, but they're just that. They're intentions. Look, maybe you need to write yourself a note and maybe right now you're thinking about contacting some friends or folks at church. The movie, The Ark and the Darkness, uh, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. It's coming out March 20 and 21, 900 theaters. Certainly there'll be a movie theater near you. This is a great event. Uh, Dr. Biddle, let me say a little bit of why I'm kind of enthused about this. Do you remember 20 years ago, the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I, I went to Florida and met with uh, Mel Gibson and his people, and we rented two theaters in my hometown in North Carolina, and then Expelled. Do you remember the Ben Stein movie? Yes. Yeah. I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. I rented two theaters in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and we've, uh, like Lee Strobel, his movie came out, and we promoted that. Folks, a film, this is a great way to get non-believers under the sound of the gospel, because somebody who's very skeptical, um, you know, I, I debated one of the nation's top atheists a couple years ago, Dr. Biddle, and I asked this guy, we were in the green room backstage, I said, have you ever been to a church service? And he said, no, no. I said, do you even know what, what a church service is like? And he didn't know. And he felt very threatened about going to a church. He shouldn't have, but getting people to a movie theater, that's kind of like neutral turf. So folks, I want you to make a plan. Pray for this film release. Plan to be involved. Seize this moment. Don't, don't miss this grand opportunity because it's world-class. And again, Dr. Biddle, I know you probably had to raise money. There was a lot of work that goes into making uh, a theatrical release. So thanks for creating a resource that's, uh, no exaggeration, that is world-class. Thank you very much. You know, Matthew 24, Jesus says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the times when he comes back, when he returns, and when judgment's going to happen on a scale that people can't even imagine. Jesus himself said people, and during Noah's day, were having marriages and parties and just going along with life like nothing was going to happen, and suddenly destruction was upon them. And I think we could be living in a time when something like that is paralleled with the next judgment. So our film is going to be soaked with the gospel and soaked with hope. And it's also going to wake people up to Genesis to the Genesis flood really happened. And if that happened and it happened when the Bible says and how the Bible says, then there's also a future coming judgment that's going to happen that people today living in this culture and time need to be ready for. So that's really the thrust of our movie. We're going to draw that parallel of Matthew 24, just like Jesus said, and uh, and going to wake people up to the, the Bible is true and credible, and there's another judgment coming that people have to get ready for, and Christ is the only way. We, we've got some great questions. Um, uh, we've got one more uh, question from Frank. Frank, you uh, were on earlier, and I cut you off early, and I apologize. You, you had a follow-up question, Frank. What is that? Uh, earlier you were talking, the doctor was talking about uh, the cell and, uh, and, and Colossians 1.17. You know, so my question is uh, about, uh, you know, how do these evolutionary people, teachers or whatever, get away with teaching that stuff when you, when you just like look at the mitochondria of the cell? Uh, the powerhouse of the cell looks like a, a little boat with a uh, with a propeller on the back of it. That just didn't happen. So, anyways, mm -hmm. I just like to get him to comment on on how they get away with it. How, how, how did they get away with it in the system? Really, to teach that stuff. Yeah, you, you know. Um... There, there is one question that I bring to atheists because we get hit by skeptics all the time on our website, 
and I say, look, if you can answer me this one question using observational science, you can ask me anything you want about my faith, because I believe that atheists have to have faith in their worldview and in their position. And if they agree to those terms, I simply ask them this one question, how did non-living matter become alive? And you know what? They can't answer that, don't have an right. answer, and they never will. Because they can try to base it upon historical science, which, which, which would say, well, we infer, we abstract, we believe, we have an idea. But no one has ever been able to take demonstrable scientific data, which means you got to observe it, test it, repeat it, draw fossil viable theories, the whole bit. I'm talking about the true scientific method. No one's been able to use real science to substantiate that evolution happened. They've been trying for 50 years with the, with the Miller-Urey experiments for millions of experiments, and they can't even get close to starting life. So because they can't answer that question, it really demonstrates that they're, they're relying upon faith for right. their per, per, uh, position. And just like you, you mentioned, you've got the bacterial flagellum. That's that spinny thing that goes around. It's irreducibly complex. The mitochondrial cell, I mean, pick something about creation. It just can't happen. Things Machines just don't assemble themselves. It's just impossible. So. Indeed, indeed. And, and what about the origin of consciousness? You know, what um, in, in psychology, I mean, that is a conundrum. You know, Darwin talked about the, the quote, warm little pond, sometimes called the primordial soup. Okay, let's say there was a swamp somewhere. Uh, I don't believe that, but just for the sake of argument. But still, how did the mud become mind? Dr. Biddle, have you ever had an evolutionist uh, try to explain the origin of consciousness? And then there is a thing called individuation. You are conscious and you're thinking your thoughts and I'm different than you. I'm a different center of consciousness. Everybody watching. Um, evolution has no explanation for the origin of consciousness nor for individuation, how, you know, uh, the animals are thinking, the humans are... Uh, what, what would... What would an evolutionist set forth as an explanation? You know, uh, the short answer is they don't have one. And in their perspective, we are a random assemblance of chemicals. And if I were to take chemicals and mix them together and stir in some other acids and everything, it's not going to think. It's not going to have agency. It's not going to have creativity or thought or consciousness or morality or conviction or any of those things. We have those things because we're made in the image of God and God breathed the nefesh into us, the spirit, that eternal being that we have that makes us in the image of God. And it's, it's just unexplainable for really random assemblances of chemicals. Chemicals can't have thought, agency, creativity, or any of those things. Mm, powerful. We have a question yeah. online. Um, this is a little deep, folks, but this is important stuff yeah. to talk about. Uh, Dr. Biddle, do you believe that God built time into creation? For example, uh, Adam was not a baby when he was created. The trees were fully grown. And by the way, let me just say that's really a two-part question. What, what is chronos and kairos? What is time? But um, God built in maturity. Now, I've got a question of my own here, but um, Adam was not an infant. Uh, we apparently, we read, and Adam seemed to be a mature adult male. Can you speak to this issue of time and built-in maturity? 
You know, the mature earth idea is a complex one, and people have different ideas about that. But I can I can tell you, factually speaking, that Adam was not created as a one-hour-old baby. We know he was created as maybe, what, a 20-year-old man, 30-year-old man, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but we can infer from Scripture that Adam was made as a whole, mature individual being. But when we look at things like day three or the sun, moon, and stars, or day three with the vegetation, God says, let the earth bring forth and the earth brought forth. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew word for that is desha. And it means like God spoke and said, let the earth bring forth and it brought forth. So we could have some things like vegetation that were brought to maturity very quickly. God could have started apple trees as seeds and then very quickly within that day brought them to maturity because you'd need something for squirrels to snack on right within creation week. But then when we look at creation, we know that when it comes to time, you have things that are inseparably connected. For example, if you have birds and flying things are created on day five and you have vegetation on day three that needs pollination, you have the things that need pollination and the pollinators like bees and butterfly made just two days afterwards. So they had to be there present at the same time being created. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when it when it comes to, to God making things with the image or the idea of maturity, it can get into a pretty complex situation. And that's why I just like drawing on scripture, like looking at the Desha, let the earth bring forth and the earth brought forth. But I don't believe necessarily that God would make a layered rock system and have it patinaed with the appearance of yeah. age, for example. I don't think he's trying to make a, a movie for us that would reflect back that we would think it would be old. I believe the key, the key to understand the topography and the geography of the earth is to understand the flood. And uh, mm. uh, honestly, and I've been around the world and seen a lot of places, canyons, mountains, you know, sedimentary rock that looks like mud folded over on itself. I really think that if a person looking at the topography of the earth allows for the Noah flood, that really explains everything. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I don't think that rocks, like you say, had this patina or the look of, you know, uh, you know, ages. But um, God spoke things into existence. Folks, this is amazing. God... Uh, called things into existence. So here's my question, and uh, the speed of light. See, this is where I, I've even had a lot of pastors and professed Christians, they'll push back on the young earth, and I, I'm a young earther, I, I believe, it. God created in six literal days, doctor. Um, could it be that when God spoke the stars and the solar system uh, into existence, that, um, you know, we think, okay, the light from a nearest star took X amount of light years to reach here, uh, light traveling at 186,000 miles per second. But when God spoke it into existence, that column of photons didn't have to take millions of years to reach Earth. It was just there. Do you see what I'm trying to ask? 
Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of different theories that are on distant starlight, and some of them are good, and some of them have limitations. We're coming out with a, a leading expert on this topic, a guy named Spike Fafaris, who studied this a lot, and we are very uh, much in alignment with him on this topic, that there are three or four valid theories that creationists can have about this. And some of them have more limitations than the other. The ultimate truth is that we don't know how God did it. But it's my also my, my personal position on it is that when God facetiously acts, asks Job and he says, Job, do you know the way to the beginning of light? Job, can you make it snow? Job, can you make a deer give birth when it gives birth? So God tells Job to sit down and grab himself like a man. That's what the Hebrew says. And sit down and shut up, little boy. I'm God. You're not. Let me tell you what I did and how I do it. So I think there are some things that God's going to reserve for heaven that we can't understand currently uh, in in this earth. I think we, we can make good stabs at it. But I'm actually very skeptical at the creationist or the evolutionist who wants to say they have the solution for life because evolutionists also have a problem with life. They got more space than they have time and they keep mm. changing their estimates of how old the, the universe is. So it's a very complex issue. But when I look at creation week, when God is creating things like physical laws, like space, time, gravity, speed, distance, mm orbits, magnetic poles and everything, and you look how light goes around a planet and it bends, and even humans, scientists have been able to slow down or speed up light. So if humans can do it, what on earth was God doing (laughs) during creation week? So yeah, yeah, that's that's a fun question, but we will have a video on that in the next several months that will attempt to very humbly try to provide a few different plausible explanations. Uh, would, would Sigmund Freud and Charles Darwin have known each other? Gosh, you know, I'm going to have to punt on that one. That, that's yeah. a great question. I don't know. There's a lot of overlap there with their with their theories and ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and Darwin was actually driven by a lot of hurt and bitterness that happened with his life. Yeah. And Sigmund Freud had some issues going on. There's, there's actually some pretty dark overtones with each of their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if they would have known each other, but their ideas are very overlapping. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And folks, we've been talking with Dr. Dan Biddle of Genesis Apologetics, just doing a vital ministry. They've got an incredible film coming out in March that I want you to pray for and support. The Ark and the Darkness, Unearthing the Mysteries of Noah's Flood. The website is noahsflood.com. Let me talk about spiritual things for just a moment. And folks, uh, this is why America must turn to Christ. America has been so blessed. We undoubtedly, without question, were founded on a Judeo-Christian worldview. And right now, this nation so steeped in Christianity is just becoming very godless. Uh, Dr. Biddle, I've, I've read a lot of church history And it's been my privilege to preach in a lot of places. And I've come to believe where God does a great, great work, um, if we're not vigilant to stay close to the Lord and pass it on to our children, then Satan will come and do this retaliatory strike. Now now think about this, and I want your response. Um, 
the Protestant Reformation came out of Germany. Martin Luther in Wittenberg, salvation by faith. This is 500 years ago. The Reformation spread, and in many ways, Germany, and I know there was uh, John Calvin in Geneva, Switzerland. There was Menno Simons in the Netherlands. Um, there was, you know, John Knox, and uh, there, there were a lot of people. But largely the, the voice of the Reformation was Martin Luther out of Germany. But 200 years after Luther, in the, in the same Germany that gave us the, the gospel, came Friedrich Schleiermacher, who denied that the Bible was the Word of God. A lot of people don't know this. Darwin um, was influenced by Schleiermacher. Schleiermacher was a pantheist, and he believed that everything is God and the Bible is not the Word of God. And 200 years after Schleiermacher, in that same Germany were the ovens of Auschwitz. Isn't this amazing? And I don't know, and I, maybe I'm reading too much into it spiritually, I don't think so, but I honestly think that almost as a retaliation, the, the, the same Germany that was helping the world rediscover the gospel in the, in the 1500s, um, later out of that same area came pantheism, uh, German liberalism, higher criticism, Darwin comes along, says God is not the creator, God's not the foundation of morality, and then ultimately in the early 20th century we see uh, the ovens of Auschwitz. Here's my point. There's more than just the physical world. There's a spiritual battle here. Ideas, teachings have consequences, and really what a, what a thrill that the church and you and people watching in this generation, we can help call people back to truth, and we can be valiant and, and, and strong in the spiritual battle in which we find ourselves, because we most certainly are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says that there are rulers, principalities, and authorities. There are levels, there are layers, there's authority levels uh, in the dark, unseen spiritual realm. Uh, we encounter them all the time when we go out to speak, when we come out with movies. There's spiritual tension that happens in my world and in our family. It's a, it's a very, very real thing. Uh, sometimes it's quite obvious. Uh, but Romans 1 talks about the natural consequences that God is going to bring as a judgment with people who deny him. So if you've got a culture of people that start by denying their creator, it, the, the passage goes on and continues and says, I'm just going to give them over. I'm going to let them have what they want. And a lot of America right now has turned their back on God and the consequences will come to them. But you're absolutely right. The, the darker the night, the brighter the light, and the more that we have to do as we're led by the Holy Spirit to run in our veins, in, in our lanes, to, uh, to shore things up and to be salt and to be light. Um, we have to do it boldly, but I would also say we have to do it not in a panic, but after the Lord leads us consistently and with the spirit of love. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I don't think God wants a bunch of adrenaline evangelism. We have to walk in our lanes and do as what, what he prompts us to do uh, in, our, in, our, in our own spheres to go mm -hmm. out and, and do his work in his way. Because you can't manhandle the kingdom. You got to go out and let him do it through you. Amen. Amen. Do you have any advice as we close uh, for churches that would like to do uh, apologetics or creation content 
you know, in Sunday school or, or in their small groups? What advice would you uh, have for churches? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are a smaller ministry that really focuses on the social media platform. Uh, I believe Answers in Genesis and the Institute for Creation Resource uh, Research are two of my favorite ministries. We do a lot of work with both of them. Answers mm -hmm. in Genesis has got some great VBS content. Oh, ICR wow. is more on the resource side and the research side, but they've also got great content. We're a small ministry. We have very limited things that we do and produce compared to the bigger ones. But those are two great ministries that we would refer people to go to to get some great, uh, great speakers, great resources for their church. Are you on the road speaking uh, any? I am. Yes, we, we tend to stay uh, local because I, I do a lot of my work in video production and everything. But uh, I think my next stop is to go out and visit David Reeves with this new creation um, museum out in uh, Dixon, Tennessee. I mm -hmm. think that would be a fun trip to, to go out. Uh, but I, I do get out and speak and I, uh, I absolutely love it because when you, brother, when you see someone's light bulb turn on and mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit illuminates truth and their eyes are open, there's no better feeling on earth. That is my currency. That's that's my paycheck. Amen. <laughs> I love seeing that there's no feeling like, especially when they're young, because that way, you know, I had this guy come up to me and says, Dr. Biddle, your your mobile app, because you can download our mobile app on your on your phone, just called genesisapologetics.com. She says, it changed my life because she was getting her biology degree. And now she understands that Genesis is real truth. So I'm like, sister, it, it wasn't the app. It was the truth of God's word that will do that. But it's transformative. The truth will set you free. It really will. And folks, as we wrap up, we've been talking with Dr. Dan Biddle of Genesis Apologetics. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, you can trust what God says about our history, but you can also trust what God says about our future. Uh, God has spoken regarding our origin. God has spoken regarding our purpose and our destiny. And folks, we say this and we, we mean it because it's true that Jesus is as close by as a prayer. It is a fact. I've spent the last 30 years traveling the world, researching. I've, I personally, I give God the glory. I've been to 72 sites in the Holy Land. And let me say a real Jesus loves you, folks. A real Jesus went to a cross and the appropriate measure of God's wrath that we deserved was put onto Jesus because he loves you. And whatever you've done, Jesus will forgive if you ask him. And whatever has been done to you, Jesus can heal if you turn your life over to him. Our God restores the years the locust has eaten. That's Joel 2.25. So if you've never come to Christ, the number, look, and again, no strings attached. We just want to help you in your walk with Christ. 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. If you've never been born again, you can do that today by opening your heart to Christ. And then the rest of life is this adventure in growing with him. Dr. Dan Biddle, thank you. We're out of time. Uh, we'll visit again soon, I hope. Folks, thanks for watching Truth and Liberty. May God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.